When you're at a big family gathering, what are the two subjects that you are not supposed to bring up? Well, religion is one of them because, uh, well, you may have people on all kinds of the uh, ends of the spectrum when it comes to their religious beliefs. Maybe you have people in your family who are of your particular denomination even, but maybe you have people who are of no particular religion. So, so navigating those conversations can be a little tricky. And the other thing that you're not supposed to bring up? Politics. You might have quite a few people on one end of the political spectrum, quite a few on the other. Now, if you're all on one side, I suppose you could get away with bashing the other side, but, but maybe you have some people on, on both sides of the aisle. Maybe you have some people who are in the aisle, and it's just a, a hard thing to try to navigate. So today, Paul, in this reading from Romans, brings up the other forbidden topic, namely politics. And we talk about religion all the time anyway, right? So it's okay to talk sometimes about politics. But when we look at these words closely, Paul really isn't talking about politics per se. He's not talking about who the best candidates are, who has the best platform that they're running on. He's talking about government in general. So let's listen again to verses 1 through 5 of Romans 13. Paul says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for no authority exists except by God, and the authorities that do exist have been established by God. Therefore, the one who rebels against the authority is opposing God's institution, and those who oppose will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to evil. Would you like to have no fear of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will receive praise from him, because he is God's servant for your benefit. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not carry the sword without reason. He is God's servant, a punisher, to bring wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. So, what should be our attitude about the government, regardless of who is in that government? Do we have to do everything that the government tells us? How are we supposed to treat those who are in authority over us? Well, God's opinions on these matters really aren't wishy-washy. And he tells us through Paul here today, he very clearly says, obey your government. Now, already you may be thinking, well, sure, that's a, that's a wonderful principle in theory, but look at the people that are in office. How can I obey them? I don't agree with, with half of what they say. But do I have to obey? The answer very clearly is Yes, because government is established by God. Now, throughout human history, there have been all kinds of different governments. Some of them have been very noble governments. You think of King David in the Old Testament. There have been oppressive governments. Think about the Roman government in Jesus' day. There have been governments who have 
who have acted well, governments who have acted in criminal fashion, oppressing their people. And of course, we have the government of our country, which many would say is, is a wonderful system. And what does Paul say about all of these? Any government that we can mention. He says, no authority exists except by God. And the authorities that do exist have been established by God. So does that mean that President Biden was put into his office by God? Does that mean that Governor Reynolds has God's divine seal of approval on her? Now, I'm not saying this as a political slam against either of those people, but no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean it for any former president or governor or any, anybody who's had an office. I could say the same thing about any person in the government. Each one of those people was not directly placed into their office by God. But God is the one who established the government because he is the one who is the ultimate authority. And that's because God is the one who creates also all authority. He is authority's source. But no matter what, what form that authority takes, and whether or not we like a particular office holder, we must obey our government. Paul said everyone must submit to the governing authorities. He doesn't give us any exceptions here. Now we know that there are exceptions. If we go to Acts chapter 5, we see an account of, of Peter and the disciples. They were preaching, they were performing miracles, and they got thrown into prison for it because they wouldn't stop. An angel came overnight, freed them from their prison, and they went right back out and started doing the same thing. And then when the, the officials came and told them to stop, they said, we must obey God rather than men. That's an exception. If the government tells us to do something that's against God's word, then we don't have to obey. Otherwise, everyone must submit. It doesn't matter who we are. Every Christian, because we are Christians, will submit to our government. But to say that government is established by God sometimes doesn't really sit well with us. Does God really put evil dictators in power, for example? What about other totalitarian governments? Again, God doesn't put any specific person into their position in the sense that he approves of everything he does. And he doesn't have one set form of government that he thinks is the best. But he even may use a political leader for his purposes. In Exodus chapter 9, God says to Pharaoh, I raised you to the throne to demonstrate my power through you and to spread my name over all the earth. But God is the one who establishes government and so we have to submit to it now what happens if we don't well we don't really need paul telling us what happens we know that the government punishes the wrongdoer there are many times that we might break the law such as when we go over the speed limit and maybe we figure it's okay because we didn't get caught or maybe we look at a particular law and we say, well, that law is just kind of crazy. I don't agree with it, so I don't think I'm going to obey it. But when we disobey our government, any law, any form that that takes, we're actually disobeying God. 
Paul said, Therefore, the one who rebels against the authority is opposing God's institution. Well, that's logical, right? Think about it. From uh, the Ten Commandments, we get actually many of our civil laws. Why is it wrong, according to the state, not to kill someone? Ultimately, it's because God said, do not murder. Why is it wrong to steal from other people? God says, do not steal. But we have nothing to fear if we don't break the law. Paul said, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to evil. The laws and the penalties that the government directs toward us are directed really toward the wrongdoers, those who break the law. For example, when if we use our, our uh, speeding example, if we always drive the speed limit, do we have to be afraid when we see the, the cruiser sitting in the median of the interstate? No, we don't have to because we are keeping within the law. That's why Paul says, do what is good. If we don't break the law, we don't have to be afraid of the government. And to make his point even stronger, to make sure that, that we need to fear the government if we do what's wrong, Paul says, if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not carry the sword for no reason. He is God's servant, a punisher to bring wrath on the wrongdoer. Paul is talking here about the ultimate in punishment. The sword that he's talking about here is not just a, a symbol of power, but it's the sword that was used for executions. This is one place in Scripture where it says that it is okay to carry out capital punishment. Now, government doesn't have to. You don't have to have capital punishment as part of your laws, but God says it's allowed. And so, He's using this as the example of saying that if the government can, can, can carry out such a severe punishment, any lesser punishments, that they're okay too. Now this verse also brings to mind that we are all born deserving to be killed because of our sin. David, we heard in Psalm 51, said, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. We know that from the time we're conceived and born, we're sinners. We know we sin every single day. We know that what we deserve. Each is to die for his own sin, it says in Deuteronomy 24. God's sword of eternal death was rightfully placed above our necks. But thanks be to him that when, when he swung that sword down, that he didn't kill us but that he killed his own son instead. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross as an innocent person. He was born without sin. He never sinned his entire life. He took on all of our sins when he went to the cross so that he would die instead of us. He died in our place. And God accepted that substitution. He accepted the punishment that Jesus underwent as our punishment. He took Jesus' perfect life, his innocent death, his resurrection from, from the dead. All of that means our salvation, our being saved from what we deserve. God accepted that punishment that Jesus took for us. He gives us the credit for that punishment when he brings us to faith. 
He gives us the credit for his perfect life, yes. He also gives us the credit for his innocent death. So he no longer requires our death. And when it comes down to it, that's really our ultimate motivation for keeping the law, for obeying the government, because we are forgiven sinners through our Savior Jesus. Even though we have to to fear the government if we do wrong, we no longer fear God because he has forgiven us our sins. Finally, we're to obey the government because it keeps law and order. Talking about rulers, Paul says he is God's servant for your benefit. Now this particular function of the law, if you will, is, is what we call the curb of the law. It's, it's what keeps things in check. You think about what a curb does on the street. When it rains, the water runs and, and the curbs help keep it running in the street. Curbs help keep traffic within the street so that vehicles don't necessarily bounce out of the street. And so, also, the laws of the government. Think about the chaos that would ensue if we didn't have laws to keep things in check. If we could do whatever we wanted, whatever makes us happy, without regard to the well-being of other people, we would have total chaos. And so it's important for us to have a government that, that has these laws in place to keep everything in check. It's important that the government has laws about limiting and keeping the peace. That's why Paul stresses at the end of the section that we need to support our government. He says, For this reason you also pay taxes, because the authorities are God's ministers who are employed to do this very thing. Makes me wonder if these words were as popular in Paul's day as they are in our, in our day. When we hear that word taxes, what do we think of? We may think of governments that are wasting our money that are just taking money from us and using it for their own benefit. We may think about all kinds of corruption that goes on. But regardless of how you feel about taxes, we still have to pay them. Why? Because God instituted government. Government needs money to operate. So we need to obey our government. It keeps law and order. And without that law and order we might not be able to do what we're doing right now. We might not be able to come together as a group of Christians and worship. Think about what, what would happen if we couldn't do that. What would happen if you weren't allowed to teach God's Word in your home? Now, granted, in parts of the world, that's reality for them. But we are blessed here in this country with religious freedom where we are allowed to gather for worship, where we are allowed to practice the religion as we see fit. And so we do give thanks to God for giving us a government that protects those freedoms. So no matter how you feel about particular politicians, particular political parties, obey your government. Now I've already said that when we don't, when we've sinned in that regard, Remember that Jesus was killed because of those sins. He took those sins away when he went to the cross. And keep this in mind also. Think about how Jesus himself obeyed the government. We have that one familiar saying, 
render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's when he was asked about paying taxes. We know that, that when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate, a secular ruler, that he submitted to him going through the questioning, going through the trial that he underwent. And then by whom was Jesus executed? He was executed by the Roman government. And Jesus' perfect submission to the government is now ours. When God the Holy Spirit brought you to faith, one of the things he did was to give you credit for Jesus' perfect life, including his perfect submission to the government. You get credit for his perfect life. You get credit for, for his innocent death. And through his resurrection, you too will live forever. God grant us his power and grace to obey our government. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.